Welcome to the Feast and Forum podcast. I'm Camden, and for this episode, we're talking about food waste, specifically food waste on campus, where it comes from, and how we can combat it. Now, this issue is far-reaching. According to the USDA, food waste makes up 30 to 40% of food supply. That figure is from a 2010 study that estimated a total of 133 billion pounds of food wasted. Not only is this environmentally unsustainable, but economically unsustainable as well. That amount of food wasted is an equivalent loss of $161 billion. It is imperative that this issue is addressed. So we're gonna be exploring how it's being addressed on campus. I hope you enjoy. Obviously, if we want to solve a problem, we need to find its source. We need to figure out what's causing the problem. So predictably, my question for you guys this week was, what causes food to be wasted in the CIA kitchens? Here are some of your responses. So if you look at it, most of the chefs in the school, they're very mindful about what we use and what we don't use. And essentially, it's their job to teach us to be uh, to use every part of whatever we're working with, right? But when a student just sacrifices mindfulness on how to use a product properly, they become careless. And careless, carelessness and laziness kind of go hand in hand. So I honestly think it's carelessness. Um, and it's also lack of skill to some extent. Because in the beginning when we're doing our knife cuts and we expect them to be perfect, we're obviously going to be making a lot of twi- trim and waste. These two responses are not surprising. Of course, a school full of people learning how to cook is going to experience food waste due to student oversight or error. So to provide a little perspective on this, I sat down with Chef Perillo, a CIA chef instructor who could easily be described as a man of the people. He works tirelessly to fight food insecurity in the communities surrounding the school And if you've cooked with him before, you've probably experienced his disdain for food waste. And side note, this interview was recorded in the American Bounty Dining Room, so please ignore the background noise. Chef Perillo, first of all, thank you uh, so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be here. Well, thanks for having me, Ken. So we're talking about food waste on campus this week. Now, I think it's important to acknowledge uh, that in a learning environment, Uh, there will always be wasted food, you know, lost to mistakes, oversights, all things that are inevitable when lots of people are learning how to cook under the same roof. So do you think student mistakes are responsible for most of the food waste in the kitchens? I wouldn't say mistakes, but I think sometimes a lack of awareness of products that could be utilized for something else or how to properly properly store them and use them for another purpose. So I think there is there is a, some oversight in um, usable trim and usable products. And I think that comes along with experience too, understanding, hey, I could save this for a stock. I could save this for uh, a side vegetable. Um, and it also depends on, on the environment. You know, a, a fundamentals class is gonna operate totally different than a restaurant where a restaurant you're going to have more outlets in a fundamentals class it's it's pretty regimented in the applications 
in the practices that are happening. So in your experience, how does the amount of food waste in the kitchens here compare to the amount of food waste you've seen um, in kitchens outside of the school? Well, as you mentioned, it's it's a different uh, business model. I'm using business in quotations. Where we're teaching education, you have to produce a certain amount to get proficient at it, and there's repetition involved, and sometimes there isn't the customer outlet for that. So that's part of the problem. So this type of food waste is both obvious and in a way inevitable. But where are some other sources of wasted food? Here's a couple more insights from students. We entitled ourselves to create this image that all our food is supposed to be perfect, which it's supposed to be, you know, where we should try to make our food perfect. But with that comes us seeing our flaws and throwing it away. Even if we're just talking culinary fundamentals uh, here at the CIA, it, um, chefs tell you to throw out this part because it's bitter, or maybe it's just an old school concept that you know you peel your carrots even though if you just wash it good enough, you don't have to peel it. Just things like that, you know, it, it all adds up. A lot of students I interviewed brought up uh, perfection as a major cause of food waste in the kitchens, meaning that if a product or a piece of produce, finished dish, dish etc., isn't up to standard, um, the chef will instruct the student to put it in the green bin. Do you see this as being a major contributor to food waste? I think it's a contributor. I wouldn't say major. Mm -hmm. I think all... There's many activities that happen that contribute to food waste, and, right. and this is one of them. Yeah. And I feel a strong fiduciary responsibility to the students not, not to waste their tuition money, but yet give them the educational value that they deserve and are paying for, and it's, it's a hard balance. How can we maintain CIA quality standards without being wasteful? That's an excellent question. And I would say that we have to find more outlets for the... Uh, I'm putting my fingers in the air again, non-perfect uh, cuts or, or products. So looking at other ways to utilize those resources. And, and that uh, can be tricky to do. I mean, we have a lot of different outlets operating, a lot of different kitchens operating at one time. But you do see a lot of those um, knife cuts and so on go to different places. They send them to the egg and they use it. I see more and more vegetable stocks being produced on campus. So these are ways to, to combat that. So it's, it's really like a, a, a combination of so many different variables uh, of course. That, that are going to contribute to this food waste and it's hard to pinpoint. Absolutely. Know. It's the same factors that you're going to confront when you're in the industry. Sometimes we overorder, sometimes we overproduce. And I think that that's a major factor. Also, how we're storing things, how we're, some things might be herbs left at room temperature rather than in the refrigerator. And all these, all these little minor things do add up. But I, I think the major contributor is to over, overproduction, I would say. Mm -hmm. The problem is clearly complex and difficult to address, especially when the causes are systemic and come from many different sources. We know that overproduction is a major contributor to food waste, but that's still really broad. So how can we develop a better and more specific image of the problem? Looking at how we measure things is important. And the more measuring we do, the, more, the better idea we have to make corrections. S sustainability is built on metrics.
and developing new metrics aside from the bottom line. So sustainability is called the triple bottom line. And, and that means you're trying to measure those elements, not just the financial bottom line, but the social and environmental. And if you could put a, a finger on that and understand your contributions to those efforts, then of course you can make adjustments just like you do financially. And luckily, efforts to measure food waste are already being implemented on campus. Katie Cassidy, an applied food studies major, is leading this charge. Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. Um, so tell me a little bit about the goal of your project. The project is basically a collaboration with Lean Path. So they're a company that supplies different food businesses with um, food waste infrastructure that you can put into your kitchen basically and it has a scale and it has a camera and then it also has a really cool database that puts any amount of food waste into economic value, carbon impact and so with them we started playing with the idea of putting these devices in all the kitchens in both Roth Hall and in um, the HVP class and the HVP class ended up being the first one for us to kind of put it in. So it's a, it's a way to track food waste in real time? or is, Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Very and for long periods of time or snapshots of five minutes, um, kind of whatever the person that's using it wants. So why is measuring food waste so important in combating it? Tracking is, it's empirical evidence. Um, it supports it supports your claim. So if a chef goes to administration and says, hey, like, we can't keep making 50 portions of chicken. People are eating 10 portions, like at dinner. This doesn't make sense. And administration says, well, yeah, prove it. They can't because there's no database, um, internal or external, to support their claim. So this has really helped the chefs, at least in the HVP classes, um, support their claim especially in the amounts of food that, that they're used to wasting, um, they're able to go to administration and be like, hey, we just threw away 50 pounds of chicken. Like, here's the evidence. Let me do it. Do you want to see a picture? Like, mm-hmm. here's the pictures. Right. So it's, it's the first step in making meaningful change to, to fight food waste. Yeah, exactly. And it really shows the students... Um, like what their personal waste is. They're the people that actually log it. So um, they have to really get um, intimate with their food waste and look at it and be like, wow, like these carrot tops, these pepper tops, like I could have used all of this and I just threw them away. Now there's five pounds of waste from my station. So where is this implemented now? Um, solely in the HVP kitchen class. Um, administration is actually looking at expanding it into Roth Hall over the next couple semesters um, through the use of the Applied Food Studies Projects class. So interested students either in that class or maybe not even in that class are able to work towards um, budgeting and getting grants um, and actually running the machinery in different kitchens of their choosing. So we're hoping to implement one in either the Bocuse restaurant or American Bounty next, but students lead kind of and administration follows so it really it really takes a dedicated few students to do it so can you describe a little bit more what this lean path machine looks like or what what it is physically yeah absolutely so 
it's basically a really big scale. Um, it's probably like 10 inches by 10 inches, like a square. Um, and then there's a green base, and then there's an iPad connected to the scale. And as soon as you weigh the food waste, it gets inputted into the iPad right away. And then you're prompted to answer a series of questions like, was it over overproduction or I guess like where it's from, why you wasted it, and what station you're from, kind of so you can keep track of what station's wasting what. Um, and then there's a camera that's attached to the scale as well, and it's like, um, it's basically just like a cord that's covered in metal that sits above the scale, and then um, every time something's put on it, a picture snapped. So you see exactly, you see a visual of what the waste looks like. So the goal of this, I mean, from the outside, initially explaining it, it might come off as like a way of policing students to make sure they're not wasting food. But um, it seems like it's more of of a student driven concept. You know, students want to track this food waste and make sure they're not wasting uh, what what they could possibly use. Yeah. Um. Over my three years of time here, I've had so many students. Probably, probably eighty percent of the students I've talked to through various projects talk about how they want sustainability um, a part of classes, and not just a slideshow that they have to page through. They really want to be hands-on with it because that's our future. If our waste issue isn't fixed, like they know they're in trouble. And so I think a lot of students are upset with the fact that nothing's being done at the school yet really to um, really enable, enable them to practice sustainability in kitchens. So that's kind of like the frustrations I experienced in class and I really wanted to enable students and the chefs to make these changes because the chefs are like right along the students. They, they want to be able to support them in these sustainability endeavors but um, they're running into problems because there's no empirical evidence that they can bring to administration or to the people that make the big decisions on par sizes or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I've had conversations with students or Chef Perillo, and I ask, like, where does food waste come from? You know, what's causing all the food waste? There's so many different answers and so many different variables, and it's like it's hard to know where to begin to start fighting food waste when you don't know where it's coming from exactly. So it's, it's great that this is a way to track that. What kind of data have you collected so far? So in the HVP class so far, as soon as it was installed in May, um, we started receiving data. So um, how much food waste occurred at what stations, where it happened, why it happened, it answered the who, what, when, where, why, basically. And so we have data for all of that. Each transaction's recorded. I think we're in the thousands of transactions now, actually. And transactions are basically like somebody putting food waste on the scale and measuring it. And so from this, the chefs were able to kind of like create charts. And there's reports that are available through LeanPath that you can put up on the wall so people know we wasted X amount of food this week, we wasted this much last week, and like we should be over here. Our carbon impact was this, we need to bring it down to this in order to get it to like a sustainable level. What kind of barriers have you run into throughout this process? <laughs> COVID was a big one. Just because I started it in the midst of COVID, it was kind of in December where we started developing this project. And 
not being able to see people throughout the process of the project and really show them why it was meaningful and like what a difference it was making in students' lives, just doing everything over technology was really difficult. Um, even though this is a technological endeavor, it's still difficult. And also getting funding, getting grants. We, we did receive a $6,000 grant, which was amazing to, to start off the process, but we, we kind of need more support. And in order to get that, then there's five different channels the student has to go through or the administrator has to go to to get that funding to get the financial support so we can get... Um, more machinery in the kitchens and they're expensive they're about 3800 to 5700 for like one unit um, depending on like what package you want to get so if you want the weekly reports etc so that was that's probably been the biggest and one of the only problems because the support's there uh, like verbally but the financial support's not mm -hmm. This project is the first step in making lasting and systemic change. But as Katie explained, it's a slow process that takes a lot of support, both verbally and financially. But food waste doesn't wait for us to track it. So while we wait for these machines to be implemented and collect data, there has to be steps we can take now. What seem to be the most commonly used practices to avoid food waste on campus? Well, I would say adjusting to production needs, for sure. Mm -hmm. You might expect this many, and then you realize that you're only going to serve this many on any given day, depending on other kitchen schedules, how many students are on campus, um, what classes are running, weather. You know, so adjusting, mm -hmm. adjusting to to the production needs is definitely one. Um, I would say how much you're producing too. Mm -hmm. So adjusting your recipes accordingly mm -hmm. so if you see you're only selling this much soup then you adjust and you cut it back to the amount that you think is appropriate and uh, portion sizes i think reducing portion sizes really helps to limit waste in a lot of ways and should the those efforts come from both students and chefs you know should students not be afraid to to bring this up to chefs and, and ask questions about um how much to produce for certain days and, and whether or not um, production should be cut back for whatever reason? No, I think it's a great conversation to have. And in my current class and in my previous classes, students have feel very comfortable asking those questions and they, they come right up and ask me, I it seemed like I had a lot of extra rice yesterday. What do you think about today? Should we, should we reduce it? And it's really an important conversation. And that's, Ultimately, we might waste a little now, but futuristically, those are the questions that we should always be asking. So to me, that's, that's a really fundamental part of the educational process and an important part. Not producing it, of course you want to produce it properly, but thinking about how much, you know, is also, is also very, you know, it's, it's a great question that should be asked, of mm -hmm. course. As students, we hold incredible agency in the fight against food waste. We are the ones processing and producing the food. So we shouldn't be afraid to take initiative and ask questions about how we can reduce our food waste. And I think a lot of our chef instructors would agree with this. So my philosophy is not to 
tell somebody what to think, but to encourage them to think. Mm. And if they're thinking about how to make something better or how to make it more efficient and how to waste less, then that's important to me. Of course, reducing the source of food waste by adjusting production is the best way to combat it. But as we've discussed, some food waste is just inevitable. But there are common practices at the CIA to recover this wasted food. Alongside sending excess food to the egg or menus of change, I'm sure a lot of you have packed up leftovers from service in those aluminum pans to be donated. So here's some more information about where that food goes. It goes to the food bank of the Hudson Valley. And the food bank is just as described. It's a big bank where lots of food gets donated into this warehouse and then gets distributed out to food pantries and soup kitchens. And we're a very, very niche uh, component of that. I mean, it's a huge warehouse with tons of produce and uh, drinks and water and pallets and pallets of, of food items that are contributed. Some of it's government generated, government subsidized, and some is coming from farms and uh, grocery stores and so on. So we're a very small component of that, but an important one, because from what I hear, the feedback I get is that people, when they see that label coming, love to have our food items and uh, it, makes them, it makes them feel special. Food waste at the CIA, just like anywhere that produces food, will be a constant battle. And fighting that battle requires constant communication between students, chefs, and administration. It's also imperative that we track this waste so that we can have the data to support our solutions. So establishing systems like LeanPath is a crucial step in the fight against food waste. But in the meantime, we can take initiative and be mindful. We can ask our chefs questions about how we can be less wasteful and how we can recover waste. Remember that the green bin doesn't have to be the final resting place for leftover food after service. It can be donated to another source of production on campus or into the community and accepted with open arms by those who need it. We are the future of this industry, so developing these habits now will lead the charge for a more sustainable future. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to send a huge thank you to Chef Perillo for his help with this episode, as well as Katie Cassidy for her time and her efforts in tracking food waste. They're both doing incredibly important work in creating a more environmentally, socially, and economically sustainable campus. And of course, thank you to all the students who I interviewed in The Egg. Your voices are really what's driving this podcast. Look out for episode three coming July 30th. See you then.